Welcome to the Enhance My App Podcast, where you can hear the latest and greatest tips and tricks on how to improve your mobile app. Today we are here to talk about a new technology that's taking the mobile advertising industry by storm. Header bidding is one of the biggest buzzwords of 2018, and we've invited Andrew Gerhardt, VP of Publisher Platforms at Imobi, to chat with us today and to help our listeners better understand this new technology, what it is, how it works, and ultimately, how this is going to affect mobile developers. Welcome, Andrew, and thanks for being with us today. To start off the conversation, could you please explain to our listeners what exactly is header bidding? So header bidding technology essentially enables publishers to send multiple requests to programmatic buyers, whether that be an exchange, an SSP, or a DSP, and they send those requests in parallel outside of the standard ad serving or waterfall setup. And so if you look at the desktop environment where header bidding really started, that's typically done in a header bidding wrapper or container, and in the in-app environment, it's typically done through an SCK or directly from the ad server. What exactly is the purpose of header bidding? I mean, like I had stated before, it's becoming a very popular topic and you had mentioned waterfall, which I'm sure more people are probably familiar with that than this. So what exactly is the purpose? Sure, sure. So the, the really header bidding was created and born to break through some of the barriers that a waterfall setup creates. Um, as programmatic increased in popularity and became a, a more popular method for media to be bought and sold, uh, publishers needed a better way to enable programmatic buyers to see all of their inventory and allow them to bid more effectively and accurately. And that's really why header bidding was created. Mm. So if that's why it was created, I mean, why is it, why is that even important at all? I mean, clearly it's probably made it so it's a bit more organized, but that still doesn't explain why you just still couldn't stick with the waterfall model. Is there a particular reason why it's so important to switch over to this new way of doing things? Yeah, it really comes down to, it's a good question. I mean, it really comes down to how programmatic works. Um, There's a couple different ways I think about the question, but Essentially, the standard ad serving models, look, a lot of publishers, both domestic and abroad, will use Google, right? And so they'll use Google, DoubleClick, and, you know, DFP. In the in-app environment, a lot of publishers use Mopub, and, and both of those systems work off of a waterfall model. And the challenge is that as, pro- as programmatic has risen in popularity, and, you know, various studies will preach different statistics, some say 50%, some say 60% is bought and sold through programmatic, those platforms really didn't change. And so they still worked off this waterfall model. And what that meant was, if a programmatic buyer was lower in the waterfall, they would see less of the inventory. And so publishers would say traffic in exchange or an SSP in a low, let's say, in, hypothetically, it was at a low slot in the waterfall that buyer would see less of the inventory. Programmatic buyers thrive on inventory. They need to see all of the users to train their algorithms and train their bidders to, to, to purchase efficiently and effectively. Um, so it was sort of this self-fulfilling thing where they were lower and so they perform worse. And so header bidding was designed to allow them to see more of the inventory, right? They're called outside of the waterfall. So that's one thing. Uh, Secondly, when publishers were trafficking the programmatic buyers in these waterfall systems, they had to designate a price. And so if I'm working with Ad Exchange ABC, I had to say, okay, they historically will pay me a dollar, so I'm going to put them in at a dollar. But that's really not how how programmatic works. 
programmatic is at an, on an impression level or a user level. And so for Joe, maybe for Joe, they can pay $1.25. But for Samantha, they can pay $6.75 because they have some campaign that matches up perfectly. And so header bidding allows the publisher to consume those actual prices. Mm. So speaking to that, I mean, if it it's sounding like a much better and more robust system, why do you feel like it's taken so long for people to... To, th to think of this whole new process of doing things. Well, I think if you look at the, and I'll say desktop again, but if mm. you look at traditional you know, publishers and the desktop and maybe even some mobile web space, it has risen in popularity just over the past couple of years. Once the technology matured enough and publishers were able to implement the header bidding technology easily, I think that it, it rose in popularity pretty dramatically. Publishers were seeing really good results. They're seeing, you know, more revenue. And, you know, if it's easy to implement and they see more revenue, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a no brainer. Um, I think there's in the in-app environment, uh, it's newer. It's still pretty early days. Um, you know, at Imobi, we've been doing, you know, a form of header bidding for close to two years. Uh, but there's still a lot of education in the space. And so I think that, you know, education amongst the ad networks, mobile specific, uh, and amongst publishers is what are causing things to be a little bit slow. Uh, but we're starting to see that ramp up significantly because now brands and programmatic is really exploding. Now, speaking to education, can you break down the process of header bidding so that maybe people who are listening can get a much better understanding of how it works and the, the entire process. Sure. So let me take that a few different ways. I think just at a basic level, what happens is, and, and I'll, I'll describe desktop and then I'll describe in-app. And I'm only going to describe desktop just because that's how it all started. And so in the desktop environment, there's basically a header bidding container where uh, a publisher will integrate these different buyers. And so again, maybe it's an exchange, maybe it's a DSP or an SSP, and the call is made out to those different buyers simultaneously. And so instead of a one, you know, a sequential call from the waterfall, I can make five or six calls to these buyers at the same time. And so this is done through OpenRTB, so it's a standard protocol. And when the buyer responds through OpenRTB, they're gonna send back, if they want to bid on that inventory, they're gonna send back a price. And so we'll determine who, you know, then we determine who the highest, you know, price, what the highest bid is. And typically that's passed back into the ad server. So if I'm working with, let's say, DFP, I'm going to pass back the response from the header bid, from the header bidding auction into the ad server to compete with whatever else I have. Maybe I have some direct sold campaigns or some other ad network I'm working with, and that's in my ad server. And so it all competes and then it determines who to serve. In the in-app environment, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, so there are some header bidding technologies out there that use their own SDK and then ride alongside something like a DFP or a Mopub. And the way those work is that the SDK uh, will make a call to that header bidding ad server. And again, um, it makes a call out to all those different exchanges or SSPs using OpenRTB. Uh, then the response, the the highest bid is then passed back into the ad server that the publisher uses, like a DFP or a Mopub, and it matches with a an ad line based on price. And so the way they match is typically based on like a token or a keyword. And again, that has to compete with, you know, the other ad lines that the publisher might have set up. So we have this, you know, header bidding slash waterfall combination. And that's typically how most of the systems work today. Yeah, so those are the basic mechanics of header bidding. So you had mentioned 
DFP a few times throughout our discussion. For people who aren't aware of that, could you maybe break down what that acronym stands for or what it does? Double click for publishers. Yes, I mean in in most a lot a lot of publishers, both in the desktop world and traditional publishing, will use double click for publishers. I mean they've been around forever, uh, and they use standard waterfall maps. I think that you know if you look at why header bidding was created. It's because a lot of these programmatic buyers and publishers wanted to work together, and they were trying to figure out a way to work together in a more efficient way inside of DFP. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, DFP is not changing. What can we hack together to work <laughs> money together? So it really does sound like header bidding is a much better process, and it's solving a lot of problems. But should we truly just be throwing out the you know the waterfall process entirely? I mean, what type of limitations you had spoken a little bit to this earlier on, but I mean, what type of limitations are there for you know waterfall optimization or just or is it even really possible to optimize it anymore? Should we just really just stop trying with it and move on, or is it still something that can be thought about and maybe mixed into header bidding? Or what are your thoughts on that? I do think that the waterfall in general should go away. Mm. I think the existing systems like a DFP are somewhat antiquated in mm. terms of their setup. There's a lot of challenges with a waterfall. And number one, you know, it typically uses this historical data, this historical pricing, which it's not accurate. It, it, it doesn't, it's not ideal for programmatic. And so it doesn't factor in these real-time bids. If buyer A knows exactly what to pay for a user, why am I going to be using an outdated price? Mm. If know they can pay 1076 for Samantha why should I be trafficking that ad line at four dollars flat it just doesn't make sense and so that that's one challenge um, the other thing is it, it's making calls out to these buyers sequentially and so first I'm gonna hit ad network one if they don't respond with an ad then I'll go to ad network two sometimes I have to use passback tags and so there's all these challenges with the way that I'm calling these buyers preventing them from seeing inventory uh, header bidding and this new way of working uses sequential calls. And so now I can expose my inventory to more buyers. I don't have to work with passback tags. And the the big factor is latency. And so with sequential waterfalls, because I'm going one by one by one, I have latency um, and leakage amongst all those hops. We've talked to some publishers who say they lose anywhere from t- 10 to 15% of their impressions between hops in the waterfall. And that's a huge deal at scale. So there's a lot of challenges with waterfalls. Header bidding is helping a lot. Uh, It's allowing publishers to bring in more revenue, to work more efficiently. Uh, But we think that there's a better answer. And so we built what we believe is a true unified auction in that it pulls the best parts of header bidding and the best parts of a waterfall into a new piece of technology, allowing publishers to work with all ad sources at the same time, using dynamic pricing and eliminate, you know, the eliminate the waterfall completely. Could you please elaborate a bit more on how maybe you guys implement it or just in general how dynamic pricing works? Yeah, sure. So um, like we talked about earlier, with header bidding, it was really built to work within the confines and the limitations of a waterfall model. The way we built our system is to think about it at a higher level, well, what if there was no waterfall? What's mm-hmm. the best way to build an ad server? What's the best piece of technology that we can build for publishers? And what we found is that the best piece of tech is that we can get rid of the waterfall completely. And then you don't need header bidding, right? Mm-hmm. 
because header bidding was essentially built as a hack on top of a waterfall. Well, if you don't have a waterfall, then you don't need it. And so what we ended up with is a unified auction in that all ad sources are called simultaneously. Um, and we're able to pull back the dynamic pricing from those buyers if they're able to send it through. Um, hmm. Interesting. So with header bidding, you know, and like we spoke with header bidding and waterfall and all that stuff now, there's also another big part, especially in the mobile advertising space, with mediation and how all this is organized and kind of comes together and flows. Um, how does a mediation network know how to find the best ads to fill with? Sure, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, mediation platforms essentially give publishers the ability to sell their inventory to as many buyers as possible, you know, optimize their yields and report on it centrally. Uh, it, with mediation layers, most of those buyers are pre-configured connections, you know, so they're already going to be set up and ready to go for the publisher to use. Um, in some cases, the mediation platform allows them to traffic vast tags or JavaScript tags or custom connections to buyers. Uh, but typically, mediation layers don't really go to the creative level or the ad level. Hmm. You know, ad request comes in, they're going to look at the buyers that are available for that piece of inventory. And they're going to say, okay, what was the historical pricing for those buyers? And so, you know, if they have an ad request there and they're going to look at, you know, five or six ad networks and say, okay, yesterday they paid this much. And so based on that, we're going to serve this one first because we think it can generate the most revenue for the publisher, which is a great goal. Um, this is really where programmatic and you know, header bidding type technology is better because instead of it looking at, you know, historical data for those ad networks and looking at it at an aggregate level, it's going to look at an individual level. And so it says, okay, for this particular user, which buyer can pay the most? Which buyer has the best creative and the best campaign for this particular user? And that's why it's an, it's a, it's an optimal solution. So are there any other benefits you see to an to add mediation versus just why not just interacting directly with each of those individual ad networks i mean because then to some extent if you just were to work directly with them you could maybe work out uh, a better way to to get more revenue or something i mean is there what are the the true upsides to having an ad mediation network versus just talking directly with the ad networks Sure. So, you know, I'm obviously biased because we run <laughs> a platform. But look, in general, I think mediation platforms can drive a lot of value for publishers in a few different ways. Um, you know, most publishers can't work with just one ad network, right? And especially at scale. If you're, you know, somebody at the scale of a Zynga, you're working with a lot of buyers. Um, that's a lot of different technologies, connections, reporting, you know, optimization. It can become pretty cumbersome without some, a sophisticated management layer. Uh, and that's where really where mediation can come in to provide those tools for the publisher. Um, and then, you know, typically mediation layers go above and beyond that. And so are they driving what what other tools and features are going to be saving time, driving insights, helping them to optimize their revenue? Um, another big thing is keeping up with the tech, right? So just mm -hmm. because you create an SDK, you know, what next? I mean, Look, we go back to the beginning of the call, why header bidding was born, because there was a technology back in the day, but it never got updated, right? And so you have to stay current with the times. Programmatic is huge right now. What will it be in five or six years? Who knows? And so, you know, having a platform and a platform partner uh, is really, really important. Um, and then, you know, when we talk to publishers, a big thing is, look, mobile app developers, there's a lot of talent out there. They're great developers. Could they build it? Maybe, probably. But 
look, they're building apps. And so do you want to be in the business of building ad servers and, and ad technology, or do you want to be in the business of building great apps and games? So the ad mediation network is solving the problem, as you said, of having to manage all those different networks for you. And header bidding is it's trying to optimize all that so you can get the most out of the ads that are you know, coming through through that mediation network. It kind of seems like it's a black box. But because of that, how will they know in their app that they're going to be getting the best ads? Well, I think a few different things here. For one, we definitely think philosophically that it should not be a black box. Mm -hmm. uh, we put a lot of emphasis on transparency within the technology and the platform. And we try to drive as, as many insights back to the publisher as possible about the buyers they're working with, who won the auction and why, right? If, when we've talked to some publishers who have challenges around getting insights into their data and figuring out why certain ads are serving or why certain buyers are winning the auction, that's a problem, you know? And uh, so we try to show them our tools and show them the great transparency we have because that's really important, right? They're running big businesses and they shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. Um, and so yeah, a mediation layer should be able to give you the transparency and should be able to determine which ad to serve with the sole goal of um, driving the highest revenue as possible for the publisher. In terms of like the types of ads and creative quality, mediation layers can help there too. Um, you know, whether it's blocking certain types of creatives, certain categories, um, identifying malware and bad creatives, those are tools that should be uh, linked into a, a good exchange or mediation platform. So, so actually speaking to that, when you know, especially, I guess you guys would be a great example. And you said transparency, which I think is great, giving as much transparency as possible to the developer to kind of let them know what's going on behind the scenes. What type of tools should a developer be looking for when choosing an ad mediation network to go with? I mean, are there certain things that are going to be the most helpful to a developer? I mean, since you guys do that sort of thing, what type of tools do you offer to the developers? to kind of give them the best insight into what what type of ads or how they can tweak it or that kind of thing. So we, we have a number of good tools around that today and we're always looking at additional tools to build and deploy for publishers. Um, so we've got some really cool things in the works around uh, creative quality and ad quality because that's a pretty big issue in the industry today and that's impacting publishers both large and small. Um, and so we're looking at building some great tools around that. In terms of transparency of the auction, it's really about just exposing the data. Um, because we're the mediation layer, we're, we store a lot of events around the different bids that come in, the pricing, you know, different errors. Um, you'd be surprised. I mean, in mobile, you know, latency is a huge issue. Um, the types of creatives and crashes and failures and all those different things play a huge role in how much revenue a publisher can make. Uh, and we have all that data. And so we can expose that to publishers and show them how each buyer is impacting their revenue and their auction. Uh, and then they can work through those issues with the particular buyer. And so you know, we try to expose as much of that in the platform and the UI as possible. When you say expose that data to the developer and then they, they find out, let's just say that a particular ad is loading too slowly or it's just not giving them enough revenue or, or any particular reason, after they've seen that data from you, what can they then do with that data to help them improve the, you know, the, the situation? Is, is there something 
like you just got you guys just provide them the data and they kind of figure out what they need to do to optimize it better or do you give them the data then give them tools to kind of help tweak things a little bit to improve improve things how does that work so uh it depends. I mean, we, we are very hands-on and consultative with our customers. And uh-huh. so we have a direct account management team that'll work with our customers to make sense of the data and optimize. Um, if the data is suggesting that a, a buyer they're working with is timing out or crashing or serving the wrong types of creatives, then we'll show them the data and they can have a conversation with that buyer. You know, going back to your earlier question, within our platform, publishers still have that first party relationship and that's really important. So we don't, get in the middle, we just provide them a platform to connect into those buyers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so using this data, then they can have a more educated and informed conversation with those buyers about optimizing the stack and resolving those issues. Without the data, you're sort of running blind. Um, If it's something about, you know, hey, we see all these bids, you know, your current price floor is at $5, we see bids coming in at X, we think you should change your price floor to this and you'll be able to capture more revenue. You know, that's another way that we work with publishers is just, you know, price floor optimization, you know, looking at the bid landscape and where they can make the most amount of revenue. More revenue is always good. (laughs) Uh, So uh, you had also mentioned earlier uh, an SSP. Could you elaborate a bit more so people are aware of what that means and how it works or what it does? Yeah, so you know, the SSP is SSP is essentially the supply side platform. Um, you know, I think in the past SSP was equated to platforms like a Rubicon project or a Pomatic. Um, some people use it interchangeably for a mediation layer, just because you know that's essentially a supply side platform. Um, so there's different ways to look at it, uh, but essentially it's you know a, a platform that allows a publisher to sell their inventory to multiple buyers. Excellent. So, and also too, we had spoken earlier about dynamic pricing, but there are also a few other things like parallel bidding and tiered ad placement. Could you perhaps elaborate a bit on those particular areas, maybe starting with parallel bidding, what that is so people are aware of it? Yeah, parallel bidding, I think, is oftentimes used interchangeably with header bidding. It essentially means that instead of ad requests being sent simultaneously, or sorry, being sent sequentially one at a time, they're being sent you know, parallel, there's being sent simultaneously to the buyers. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that's important. You know, it reduces latency, it can maximize the number of connections and buyers you can work with, and it can maximize your fill rate. And how about tiered ad placement? Could you perhaps talk a bit about that? Yeah, well, I think what that means is more tiered pricing. Is that correct? You know, where I'm using multiple price tiers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Commonly used with programmatic buyers. We see that used quite often with mobile publishers where they'll, um, they may be working with a buyer and they set up a, a tier with a high price floor, a medium, and then maybe a low. Um, and the strategy there is that within a programmatic buyer, there's going to be campaigns at all different price points. And so if I send it in at a high, high price floor, maybe I can capture the most premium demand um, and premium campaigns that are, you know, that match up with my inventory and my users. Um, and then if nothing fills there for those particular users, I can always capture something at a lower price point. Um, and so we've seen a lot of publishers implement a strategy like this and see some nice success. Fantastic. Now, we had started to talk about this a little bit earlier about 
how this is all affecting mobile developers and if it's for making more revenue or possibly even slowing down their app. I mean, you had said earlier about latency issues and I, I could see this probably being more of a concern perhaps in the mobile space than the, on the web. Uh, could you speak maybe a bit more to the latency issues or any of those particular like problems that could be a side effect from header bidding or anything related? Well, for a publisher, the good news is that it's it's all positive. Um, <laughs> you know, what we've seen is that when publishers implement technology like this, they can see uh, a significant increase in revenue and fill rate, and they see a dramatic decrease in latency. Because instead of having to call all these buyers one at a time, I can call them all at the same time. And so when publishers use our technology, they've seen upwards of 200% reduction in latency. And so header bidding and you know our unified auction model have a significant reduction in latency. So that's definitely positive and it's important for mobile. Um, on the buyer side, uh, there are some implications, right? Because instead of the buyers being called one at a time, they're all getting called at the same time. And so that means that they're gonna see more requests. Now there's, that's a, that can be a positive and a negative. It's a positive in that they're able to see more inventory and they can bid on it. It can also have negative implications because there's costs associated with all those ad calls. Um, and so what we saw in the desktop environment when header bidding exploded is that these DSPs started to be get really concerned about QPS, uh, which is queries per second. So are there any other type of concerns that maybe mobile developers might need to think about? These systems typically work is that the SDK, if you're using you know a current mediation platform, that their SDK is going to be calling to their ad server anyway. And so let's say it goes, the SDK calls the ad server for an ad. It's going to return, you know, the highest priced ad line, which then gets passed back to the SDK. But if it doesn't fill, then it has to go back to the ad server again and then back to the SDK. So there's all these hops. And that happens today in the waterfall model. And so you can see why latency with waterfall waterfall model is an issue. Um, now, with the unified auction or a header bidding model, it takes all those hops out. And so instead of having maybe 10 or 20 hops, I only have one or two. And so really, it's just a positive. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot more positives. I can see why this has become so popular, <laughs> especially from a developer standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, are there any best practices you know, for publishers when it comes to dealing with this sort of things? I mean, clearly you're saying that the latency issues, you know, all that stuff has been greatly improved. And I mean, but are there any... Um, like maybe best practices you would tell a publisher when dealing with all this stuff and how they should implement this stuff or are they good to go any way they want to do that like they can just show as many ads as they want at any time or I mean is there like something like a, a like a process you walk them through and say like hey maybe you should implement it here at this time that kind of thing so yeah as I mentioned we do take a consultative approach if a, if a developer is just in the process of implementing ads then we'll walk through you know, some best practices in terms of the implementation of the ads. Um, if they're looking for suggestions on which buyers to work with, that's another thing we can help with. Because um, look, buyers in the US are not the same as Singapore or Australia or Japan, right? And so you have to take a regional approach. Um, you know, just in general, best practices, I think using a platform, I think can be helpful to manage everything and ensure that you're doing things efficiently. 
I think having diversity amongst your buyers is really important. You know, look, there's big buyers out there like a Google or a Facebook, uh, but you shouldn't just be working with those guys. There's a lot more demand out there. So having diversity, especially as your inventory scales to all these different countries, is really important. Um, I think it's really important for publishers to have a great handle on their analytics and they need to watch it closely, especially as they're making changes daily or weekly. And as they start to work with new technologies like header bidding, it's important to keep a close eye on the analytics and, uh, you know, never stop testing. It's, it's important to test new buyers, test new methods and ad units and technologies and, you know, making sure that you're, you're driving those numbers up. There's been a lot of talk and discussion about how China is becoming a really huge space for for you know, for mobile apps and, and how you can make so much money over there. But things are very different because it's a completely different culture. Do you feel when a, a publisher wants to eventually move outside of the United States, that's when they should really maybe start talking to a network like or a company like you guys? Well, I think that we work with publishers large and small and domestic and abroad. And so I don't think it's limited to any one particular segment of customer. Mm. Uh, you know, we can work with publishers wherever. And I think this technology is broadly applicable. I think it can help publishers of all sizes. Um, but Inmobi does have a particular strength in all these regions. We have a very large business in China. Um, and we have a, a great large team over there that really understands the local market. And so, and, and a similar strength in India and APAC and lots of countries around the world. And, you know, we're very proud of that. And it's great that we're able to offer uh, lots of tips and advice and best practices as these publishers want to move into these different markets. You know, we were just talking to a customer of ours recently who wants to go into Japan and another one wanted to go to China. And they're leaning on us as a, as a partner to help them break into those markets. And so you know, that's one of those great things that we can offer because we have good experience in those local, local areas. So you also spoken about looking into and keeping a good eye on the analytics. What type of data should they be looking for when it comes to analytics with this stuff? Oh, boy, lots of different things. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, trends obviously. Uh, you know, especially as I add a new pub, as I add new buyers, I want to be looking at the early data to, of performance, um, seeing how you know where they're bidding. Are they bidding below my price floor, above my price floor? Uh, do I need to be optimizing or adjusting anything to capture more revenue from that from that buyer? Um, a big thing is looking at you know connections and timeout errors. Uh, sometimes buyers will pass back the wrong types of creatives or have creatives that load really slowly. Uh, and so those are other data points that we show. And so, um, you know, there's lots of different ways that publishers can optimize their stack. And, and we, ex we show all of those things within our reporting system. Throughout the conversation, we have, you had mentioned, you know, what InMobi can do to kind of help developers. Could you maybe elaborate a bit more on the different types of services you guys provide and how you've been assisting developers throughout this process? Sure, yeah. So we really have two sides to the business in general. Um, InMobi has a real powerful ad, ad exchange and ad network uh, where we help publishers to monetize their inventory using the demand that we bring from all of our programmatic connections as well as our sales team that's global and worldwide. Um, uh, on the flip side, we have our mediation platform, which uses the unified auction model. And so those two in parallel, you know, help publishers to get the most from their ad inventory. We can help them to connect into all the different buyers, do it efficiently, get insights into their data, optimize their yields, and we can also augment that with the demand that we bring to the table. 
Very nice. We've talked a lot about throughout the conversation what header bidding is, all the different types of acronyms, the different how, how it helps developers, some of the things they should be looking out for, how it's better than waterfall. Now, since there was waterfall in the beginning, then there was header bidding, what do you feel the future, uh, like the, the next big thing could be? Um, I mean, obviously the focus right now is header bidding. Do you, do you, how do you feel like it's going to evolve or what, what do you feel like are going to be the next thing that people are going to have to be thinking about? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that it's still somewhat early days for in-app header bidding hmm. um, or header bidding in general. I think that you know we've been leading the space in mobile app for a while. Um, but you know, publisher and ad network adoption is still climbing. It's still rising. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, but as I mentioned, I really think header bidding only goes part of the way there. You know, it really was designed as a system to work around those waterfalls. And so we feel the next evolution is what we bring to the table is that true unified auction, uh, where you don't need to implement multiple systems. You can just have one that controls everything and brings you the best parts of programmatic and header bidding technology into your core system. Uh, so that's really where we see the market moving towards and where we see the technology moving towards. Are there any final thoughts you have for all the mobile developers listening to this conversation? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, if anybody wants to ask us additional questions, we'd love to hear from you at Inmobi. And thank you for your time. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Enhance My App. If you are currently building a mobile app, head on over to Enhance.co, where we make it easy to integrate in advertisements, analytics, push notifications, and payment services into your mobile app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.